This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to the left wing. While the Ireland team has been named for Saturday's World Cup warm-up game against England at the Aviva Stadium. And as expected, Andy Farrell has gone with a very strong team for this one. We'll also discuss World Rugby's announcement that they will appeal the decision to overturn the red card given to Owen Farrell. Keen Tracy is here. Keen, the Ireland team has been named a strong team as expected. And Keen Prendergast has been named at number eight. This is a huge opportunity for him on Saturday. Yeah, it absolutely is, Sinead. Um, he finished the season playing very well for Connacht when they got to the URC semi-final. And he had been playing a lot at number eight for, for Connacht last season. So um, you'd wonder how much of that was influenced by the Irish coaches and maybe that, you know, they saw a potential gap for him there for the World Cup, which clearly they do now, which I know we'll get on to talking with someone like Gavin Coombs, who's been released. And, you know, when, when Keenan Frendergast first broke onto the scene, we saw him playing much more in the back rows, in on the on the blind side. But like I said, he has been playing number eight, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's come from a bit of the Irish coaches saying, "Look, we'd really like to see this guy playing number eight, and it's worked out well for Connacht. So, uh, yeah, an absolutely massive opportunity. It's going to be his first start for Ireland, and um, what a test it's going to be up against England. And I mean, when he sees someone like Gavin Coombs getting released this week, and he gets to start at number eight, it shows you how close he is to making the final thirty-three man squad. So um, it would also suggest that Jack Conan's foot injury probably isn't um, that serious. We'll wait for it, hopefully get an update off Andy Farrell in the press conference later today. Um, but with Caelan Doris on the bench, it's a huge opportunity, like you said, for Kean Prendergast to really, really stake his claim. He's a guy who went on the New Zealand tour last year and didn't play in any of the tests, but played in the two Maori games. And was a bit raw, I would say, a bit like Joe McCarthy, a bit raw, a bit over-eager to impress, um, gave away a few penalties. But between himself and Joe McCarthy, they look to be two of the guys who have really benefited from from that tour in terms of the Irish coaches trying to get them up to speed. And yeah, like he's really kicked on since then. And I think, again, very similar to Joe McCarthy, he looks like much more of a mature player, I would say, much more rounded, probably more comfortable in within the Irish system, within Irish camp, which naturally would make you be less eager to try and impress. I mean, I could totally understand two guys going on a tour like that, trying to do everything they could to catch the eye. And sometimes they just overstep the mark, but both of them look far more comfortable now. And it bodes well for Ireland and their chances, you'd have to say, of making the final 33-man squad. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned there uh, Gavin Coombs. He was one of the five players released last night back to their provinces. Um, the likes of Caelan Blade, Calvin Nash got game time off the bench against Italy last weekend. And with Prendergast now starting tomorrow, does it feel even more harsher on the likes of Coombs? Treadwell that they didn't get a minute of game time during this window to press their case to the Irish management? Yeah, if you were in their shoes, you'd be really annoyed, wouldn't you? Um, obviously, like like crushing disappointment, knowing that you're not going to be in the the World Cup squad, but to not get a minute, like you said, Sinead, to like even put your best foot forward is really disappointing, particularly after p- putting in you know a grueling preseason, going through everything. But look, those guys are going to be on standby, and it's not impossible that they won't end up in France at some stage. Um, like you mentioned, a couple of those guys, I think you were probably expecting not to make the final squad, but it's a massive statement, I think, from Andy Farrell to do this because we were speaking to Paul O'Connell at the start of the month and he, his impression was that every player within the squad would get a chance over these three games. And in I think it was in that same week, yeah, it was in the build-up to the Italy game, we asked Andy Farrell on the Thursday before the Italy game, was that his intention? And he kind of, would he be planning to cut people? And he said he hadn't decided whether he would or not but then after the Italy game the tone I think kind of changed a little bit and he said that there was no guarantee that every player was going to get minutes and look the one big thing with all this and I I can understand why plenty of Munster fans and Connacht fans with Caelan Blade like are disappointed to see someone like Gavin Coombs miss out but we're not getting to see what goes on behind closed doors and how people are training and if Andy Farrell doesn't feel like that they're going to be in the, the, the final 33-man squad, then, you know, it's no harm to send out a statement like that to keep everyone else on their toes to show that, like, you know, and I, I'm not sure if, I'm not saying that these guys weren't training well, but I'm just saying that we don't know how they've been getting on. Um, so it's a big statement for everyone to, to keep on their toes. But, I mean, if you're Gavin Coombs, you're kind of scratching your head coming away from this wondering, you know, where do you go from here? He was outstanding for Munster last season, a real key part of them winning the URC, um, like went up against some big, big opposition. And okay, Kean Prendergast is inexperienced as well, but to see a guy like that overtake you, I think he'll be really, really disappointed. Um, like he's done such a good job since taking over from CJ Stander as Munster's number eight. And he has to go back to the drawing board now and, and go again. It's interesting. I mean, I was talking, I asked John Fogarty, Ireland scrum coach, about Gavin Coombs earlier this week because I was planning to do a piece around Gavin Coombs. I was fully, not fully sure, but I fully expected Gavin Coombs to get a chance this weekend. Um, Again, that's not being privy to knowing how they've been training, but I thought he'd be the one who Ireland would be looking at as their number eight. And John Fogarty said that he'd been training really well, that he obviously had the disappointment of last November being dropped, but he came back into camp and by all accounts, had really kind of taken on board the feedback that he got. And you saw that in his Munster performances as well. So to now kind of find himself back at square one, I think is going to be really, really disappointing to put it to put it mildly for, for Gavin Coombs. But it's clear that Andy Farrell, I think, wants more of an athletic maybe back row, which might even sound a bit harsh in Gavin Coombs because I do think he's improved his all-around game. His work rate has, you know, gone through the roof. He gets far more involvements in it. But he's clearly not the type of number eight than Andy Farrell wants um, so so Gavin Coombs is just going to have to go and figure out where he goes next because I'm pretty sure Caelan Doris is even younger actually than Gavin Coombs and Jack Conan is only about 30 so he's not going anywhere anytime soon and now all of a sudden you've got Kean Prendergast who's ahead of him as well so tough times for him but he's definitely good enough uh, and young enough to bounce back. 
Yeah, he sure is. And, you know, as ruthless as Andy Farrell, and he needs to be at this stage, when Andy Farrell uh, shows his faith in his player, we almost know that the likes of Keem Prendergast must be doing something pretty special in training, like to get this opportunity now on Saturday. Yeah, and that's what you want. Like, I mean, again, we can only judge on what we see in the 80 minutes um, at weekends, but so much of it is about how guys are within around the squad and um, how they're training and things like that. And you'd imagine that Key and, Tri- or Key and Prendergast has been pulling up trees um, at training and, and fair play to him. And it, what I like as well is he's he's playing with Ireland's first choice pack this weekend. This is a point I've made several times that I think Andy Farrell does really well. When he is blooding new players, he tends to blood them in settled combinations. Um, so you think back to Tom Stewart, just at the top of my head, making his Ireland debut against Italy. He came off the bench at the same time as Keen Healy and Tyg Furlong and had been working with them all week. Whereas you can be sure now on the flip side, all this week and even probably in Portugal last week when they were over there, Keen Prendergast has been working in the same back row as Peter O'Mahony and Josh van der Fleer. And when come Ireland's you know when they want to pick their first choice uh, team at the World Cup you'd imagine Ireland's back row if everyone is fit is going to be O'Mahony, Van der Fleer and Caelan Doris so th- I think that gives Keen Prendergast even more of an opportunity now to impress that he's not playing with guys who are also trying to force their way into the 33-man squad he's playing with the World Player of the Year and the Munster captain two vastly experienced guys and I think that bodes well for his chances of kind of putting his best foot, best foot forward as well. And I think you'd have to admire Andy Farrell for the way he, he does that because he does give guys um, their opportunity imp- to impress. Now, I know someone like Gavin Coombs would would argue otherwise. But again, you can Kean Prendergast is obviously going really well at training, like you said. Yeah, we see that as well. Obviously, Ross Byrne is far from a rookie, but at least he as well is couched in there alongside some of Ireland's strongest uh, players there as well. We saw what Jack Crowley did against Italy uh, last weekend. We saw the way he finished uh, the season for Munster. So it's very much over to Ross Byrne now again this weekend, isn't it, Keen, to show what he can do again at 10? Yeah, there's pressure on Ross Byrne. Um, like Jack Crowley picked up where he left off for Munster at the end of last season. Again, played a really important role in them winning the URC and he he looked really sharp against Italy. Obviously, he got 40 minutes at 10 before moving to fullback with Kieran Frawley coming on for his debut and I thought he did really well at fullback as well. So there is a little bit of pressure on Ross Byrne given how Leinster's season petered out. They didn't win a trophy. Um Johnny Sexton obviously wasn't there for the end of Leinster season. So it was a big chance for Ross Byrne kind of to to steer Leinster back to where they feel like they belong and they weren't able to do it. Obviously, that's not all on Ross Byrne. So um, I think there is a little bit of pressure on him, Sinead. Um, again, he's been playing with Gibson Park so often, including last season when Johnny Sexton didn't really feature much for, for Leinster at all with the, with the injury that he had. So again, he'll be very comfortable playing alongside him he knows Bundy Aki at this stage and then it's otherwise it's a first choice um Irish backline with Gary Ringrose in midfield alongside Bundy Aki and then your first choice back three of Hugo Keane and James Lowe and Matt Hansen so there aren't really many excuses you know playing behind uh, Ireland's first choice pack and with that back line um, obviously the pack need to get him front football but you'd imagine he will get plenty of chances given the way that Ireland have been playing over the last while and this is a chance like I still feel like the the, the race to be Johnny Sexton's backup for want of a better term is still pretty wide open but I think Jack Crowley is probably a nose ahead of Ross Byrne 
But if Ross Byrne delivers a really assured, accomplished performance that we all know he's capable of, then he's right back in the in the mix as well. So you'd imagine this one would probably go right down to the wire in terms of Andy Farrell's um, decision. It's interesting that Jack Crowley is named on the bench again. There might have been a temptation even to put Kieran Frawley there to get him more game time. But I think when you have Jack Crowley on the bench, and this is going to apply to the World Cup as well, he covers multiple positions. And it allows you as well to... It, to mix around, I think, with who wears the number 23 jersey. Obviously, it's going to be Keith Earls, and we can get on and chat about what a special occasion it's going to be for him for his 100 cap. But if you think back to the last couple of years, Andy Farrell has liked to put a big centre. It's usually Bundyaki or Robbie Henshaw, whichever guy isn't playing. He likes to put a centre in as his number 23. So if you do that, it obviously limits your options if someone gets injured. But if you have a player like Jack Crowley on the bench who played loads of rugby for Munster at 12 last season, obviously played plenty at 10, and then he played 15 for Ireland against Italy a couple of weeks ago, that's a really handy guy to, to have to call upon. So yeah, Jack Crowley will obviously be hoping for plenty of game time to impress a 10 but I think his versatility is going to really count in his favour as well and if Andy Farrell is going to stick to the come the World Cup having that big centre I think you get more out of having a Jack Crowley on the bench than a, than a Ross Byrne because it, it doesn't limit your options as much. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you mentioned there Keith Earls and what a day it's going to be for the Earls family uh, tomorrow. Keith on the bench, obviously, and will make his 100th appearance for Ireland at some stage. I still remember his first press conference with Ireland uh, back in 2008 and when he was up at the top table with Declan Kidney, uh, looking as young as ever and talking about ringing his dad, Jer, when he got the news about his first Ireland start. A huge achievement, Keane. Uh, an immensely popular player. You're from that neck of the woods. What What is it about Keith Earls that makes him, by and large, such a well-loved player? Yeah, I remember I was in the Thomas Park Terrace for, for his debut. He scored with his first touch, um, I'm pretty sure, against Canada. back in- And I think as well, wasn't he the only guy who didn't wear the long sleeves? He kind of just, you know, it was a really cold night and he was like, oh no, go without the, the Under Armour gear. Um, that night as well but yeah yeah I mean, like you, you think back to the players who were playing in that vintage when Keith Earls made his debut like and he was asked about this earlier this week I mean you're talking about like O'Gara O'Connell like it seems like so long ago and here Keith Earls is like all these years ago or all these years later getting to win his 100 cap and I think like I was writing about this this week that it's an unbelievable achievement. And it's also worth pointing out, so he's going to become the ninth player to win 100 caps for Ireland, but he's going to become the fourth Limerick player, Limerick man to do that as well, which I think is phenomenal, really, when you think about it. So you have Conor Murray, Paul O'Connell and John Hayes have done it before him. And now Keith Earls, like that's a phenomenal achievement for a city like Limerick. Um, but what, why is he so revered? I think it's just because he Keith Earls is a man of the people for want of a better term he's just a normal guy who's living out his dream he doesn't have any airs and graces about him never has in all his media dealings he's he just puts him he bears his soul and like i mean all the stuff he's come out with over the last couple of years in his book about his bipolar diagnosis and stuff like that just endeared him i think even more to people because i think people can relate to him and that's the best possible way i think of of describing it he like you know, most listeners will know he comes from Moiras and he came through playing with Thomond and he, he touched on this earlier this week that like not a lot of people, well, he's the only person to come from Thomond Rugby Club to get capped. But even in terms of where he's from in Moiras, the tricky enough area in Limerick, like he has become a role model, not just for 
the people in that part of the city. Um, but for, I think, kids everywhere in Limerick, and that's something that he is always, I think, been really, really conscious and aware of that he had opportunities that maybe other kids in the city don't. And he wants to be that role model for them. And like he's long been that. I mean, you get to see him. If ever you're walking around Limerick, I've often like seen him like walking on a Saturday morning in, in the market around Limerick again, like just with his wife and his kids again just like a man of the people and stuff so um it's a huge opportunity i don't think the the irony will be lost in him that or the earl's family that keith is winning 100 caps and his dad jer is, is widely recognized as one of the great irish players to never be capped and then here's his son winning 100 caps i'm sure Gerald, who was an unbelievable player in his own right would have loved just one of those caps but but here we are and like i don't think that this is a sentimental sort of thing either um from andy farrell like i still think keith earls is going to go to the world world cup squad personally I still think he has an awful lot to offer and yeah, you can be sure it's going to be an emotional occasion, but it's one he fully deserves, like like absolutely fully deserves. He's been such a brilliant player for Ireland over the years and yeah, if he does get picked for the World Cup, so it'll be his fourth World Cup, which is remarkable really when you consider, like you said, Sinead, there all those years ago starting out in that dark night in um, Thomas Park in Canada. Yeah. Um, come here, before we leave the team, um, anything else standing out to you about that? Um, obviously, Joe McCarthy um, is on the bench again tomorrow or for, for Saturday. He did so well again last weekend. And it certainly seems like he's lying, lining himself up for a place in that final squad, Keen. Yeah, particularly with Kieran Treadwell was another guy who we didn't mention who was one of the the players released from camp. And like here's a guy who was probably the breakout star of the tour, the New Zealand tour last year, played a really important part off the bench. But Joe McCarthy has yeah come in and, and overtaken him. And I think he was excellent against Italy. And I kind of touched on this excuse me, earlier when I was talking about uh, Kean Prendergast, that he looks far more mature. I thought it was interesting afterwards, after the Italy game, Andy Farrell had said that Ian Henderson, he felt, had played his weight. In other words, he'd really used his bulk and his power. But I thought he could have said the exact same thing about Joe McCarthy. He was really punchy in contact, got Ireland over the game line so often. And look, you can see why the Ireland coaches um, have been so excited. And like they, they have tried to accelerate his development. I think, you know, other Irish coaches might have felt like, this World Cup cycle just came a little bit too soon for him, but they recognise that tight headlock role in terms of the power that he gives you on that side of the scrum. So, yeah, he is, you'd have to say, right in, in contention now to, to make that final 33-man squad. It's a really good opportunity again for him. I thought Ian Henderson did play very well, and obviously he's nailed on to make the squad injury permitting, but you think to that Samoa game in particular, um, or not Samoa game, the Tonga game at the World Cup, that's going to be really physical. A guy like Joe McCarthy would be very handy to have so yeah he's got a big opportunity Jeremy Lockman is on the bench as well Sinead uh, Dave Kilcoyne um, we made aware earlier this week was carrying an injury so Jeremy Lockman is, is straight into it he's a guy that I think could feel very hard done by not getting into the original squad he was excellent for Munster and was playing ahead of Dave Kilcoyne when he was fit towards the end of the, their season when they won the URC um, I think there's a slight concern that Ronan Kelleher isn't on the bench um, right. you'd imagine that you would have expected to see him get his first run out and Again, we'll get an update, hopefully, off Andy Farrell um, at the press conference. But 
Ronan Keller is a guy that like picks up a lot of injuries and I think there's a reason why Ireland have kept Tom Stewart in the squad as well that would suggest to me that they are there is some bit of concern about Kelleher so fingers crossed it's nothing too serious but that guy just hasn't been able to catch a break and put a long kind of consistent run of games together in a while and like you think of how well Dan Sheehan has played but if you're calling Roland Kelleher off the bench as well again come a World Cup game against you know South Africa Scotland a quarter final I think it's such a key part of Ireland's chances is to have that kind of one-two punch so hopefully it's nothing too serious for Ronan Keller but you'd be a bit concerned the fact that you haven't seen him on the bench there as well yeah no for sure now the other big news today was that World Rugby announced that it will appeal the decision by disciplinary panel to overturn the red card given to Owen Farrell now the England team is hasn't been named yet won't be named till later this afternoon but um this, there was such an outcry, Keen, over this during the week that really for the integrity, for the future of the game, World Rugby really had no other option in truth but to appeal this decision. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a watershed moment, doesn't it? Um, when you have the governing, governing body coming out and appealing against um, an independent judicial uh, committee. So... It's very, very interesting. Like you mentioned, um, at the time we're recording, England have pushed back their team announcement to later in the afternoon, presumably because they're trying to figure out what to do with Owen Farrell. Now, all the talk all this week has been that George Ford was going to start 10 anyway. But if like, World Rugby are, are appealing the decision and if England feel that a ban could eventually come out of this, then they need to figure out how how they manage the game this weekend in terms of that counting towards any potential ban. So it has huge ramifications, and you're right. World Rugby, I, I feel like, had to come out and and appeal this decision for the integrity of the game, everything that they've been pushing around player safety and things like that. Their full written judgment came out today, and it's some of it is, is amazing, really. So um, World Rugby are going to, I think, have to argue that... Uh, Owen Farrell's tackle was dangerous, I think, because of his arm being tucked. I think that's what the big thing to me that the committee seemed to overlook, really. They, they focused a lot on the mitigation about Jamie George pushing Basham into him and Owen Farrell, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, not having enough time to readjust. But if you're going into a tackle with a tucked arm and you're upright, then that is always a dangerous tackle in in any in, in any language in any situation you just can't go into a tackle like that so my reading on the situation would be that that's what this boils down to and i'd imagine that world rugby that's what they're going to focus on which like i said seems to have been lost in a in a bit of the the, the hearing committee the judgment that i had read so yeah it'll be very interesting Sinead. i like it's a massive headache for england because this is going to drag on now into next week as well it has major ramifications for their world cup preparations for their world cup itself um i'd be surprised if by the end of it we don't get some sort of ban for own farrell i'm not sure if it'll be the six game ban that was being predicted but if own farrell walks free from this um it's just not a good look. I mean, I've heard former players, former English players. Yeah, like I said, I heard Matt, Matt Dawson saying, you know, yesterday that he doesn't want his kids to play rugby, that how can you, you know, how can you put your kids into a game like this where that tackle isn't deemed to be dangerous? And that's a former World Cup winner who is also English. So you can imagine the amount of hundreds and thousands of pa- like normal parents, for want of a better term, who are also watching this going, like, how can I put my kid into a sport like this? So, um, 
is hugely damaging, I think, for for the sport. And I think some of the stuff that's been aimed and I've seen at Farrell has been over the top and almost too personal. Um, that kind of, I don't really like that side of it, I have to say. And people, I think, forget how good of a rugby player that Owen Farrell is. He plays on the edge and, yeah, he does overstep that line at times and he has done in the past i think that's why there's been so much frustration about this that it hasn't been his first time but if you take that edge out of all these guys out of like a roy Keane when he was playing johnny sexton when he was playing they're not the same player but that doesn't mean that owen farrell shouldn't change his tackle technique and that is the big the big issue in this he's already been to tackle school that doesn't apply to him again because you can only go to tackle school once so I mean, we can all have our own opinions on the tackle school and how beneficial that is. But here's a guy who recently went through the tackle school and is still tackling upright with a tucked arm. So um, it's going to be very interesting, like I said, Sinead, to see how this plays out. It feels like a watershed moment um, having the government bod- governing body coming out and appealing a decision like this. So we'll see which yeah. way the cards fall. Yeah, so as you said, um it looked like George Ford was going to be starting this weekend's game. Anyway, and just finally, Keane, before um, we go, what anything in particular you will want to see from this weekend's game, building on from that opening performance and win over Italy? Yeah, I think like I think I'd be interested to see how the scrum goes. Um, England caused Ireland a lot of problems at the scrum in last year's Six Nations, if you remember. And Matthew Reynal, I think, was the ref, and he had to come out afterwards and say that he got a few of the decisions wrong. But it really rocked Ireland, and I think it really annoyed the Ireland coaches that the players who were on the pitch and the players were annoyed as well that they weren't able to problem solve and adapt to what the referee wanted at scrum time. So. It was all well and good getting an apology from Reynal after the match. But if that's a World Cup quarter final or a pool game that you need to win to get out of a pool, then it's no good to you being told afterwards. Now, to be fair, I think since that game, the Irish pack have figured out ways to problem solve. So it'll be a good test if the English pack is going to be as strong as we imagine it will be in terms of personnel that they pick. I'd be very interested to see how the scrum goes, particularly when it's such a, a strong Irish pack. Um, you want to see... A bit, a bit of cohesion, you'd imagine. Look, there's going to be mistakes. It's a pre, it's still a preseason game, and you have this kind of strange thing where it is a bit of shadow boxing. I'm not expecting Ireland to unleash um, a pre-planned move that they've been planning. Like, I mean, imagine they're keeping stuff under wraps. But you want to see guys looking sharp. It's a lots of these players first hit out of the season. You want to see Ross Byrne running the show, and most of all, you don't want to see any injuries. I mean, over the last week alone like with Entomac and, you know, Mike Lalatoa, like for Australia a few weeks ago, Cyril Boy, even at the France Lou said it's out for five to six weeks. It's just another reminder of the dangers that lurk at every corner in these preseason games. So uh, a full clean bill of health, a win, because Ireland have won, I think, Sinead, 15 games in a row at home. And I think they're on an 11 win um, overall streak since the second test in New Zealand last year. So they have a lot of momentum built up. And while, you know, the, the result isn't necessarily the most important thing, I think it's it's still hugely, hugely significant that because they want to, look, this is their final sign-off from Dublin it's the last chance Irish supporters will get to see them on home soil before they go to the World Cup because they're heading to France next week to play Samoa in their last game so I think it's important that they keep keep building on the momentum that they have and also it's important I think to 
kind of kick England while they're down a little bit. England did it to Ireland in 2019 and totally derailed their World Cup. And now Ireland have a chance to to kind of do the same. So it's a preseason game, but I still think there's lots um, lots to be gained from it for both teams, you'd have to say. Yeah, no, for sure, Keen. Uh, that's great. Thank you for that. We are going to be back with another podcast on Sunday morning to review Ireland's game with England uh, on Saturday. So keep an eye out on your feeds for that one. But for now, thanks for listening. This is an Irish independent podcast.